0: So we're continuing our series on the spiritual gifts out of 1 Corinthians 12, and um, I'm going to be talking about word and words of knowledge this morning, um, but first I'm going to do a prologue, well actually a preamble, prologue is for writing, a preamble is for speaking, and, um, and the reason is, is because the key, I believe, the key to spiritual gifts is your motive. What, what motivates you out of your heart? I believe that's the reason why First Corinthians 13 exists where it does, in its sandwich, its Oreo cookie presentation of Paul describing the way gifts are supposed to work and then saying that all depends on love. So the first thing I want to say is that when you get saved, and I cannot stress this enough because I, and I know you all believe this, but I run into so many Christians that don't live this. When you get saved, before before Christ came, there was a line, and everybody failed to get to it. And the law was created just to prove to them that they couldn't get across the line. It wasn't created to get get them across the line. It was created to show them that they could never get across the line to be righteous and holy before God. There was nothing they could do to get across that line. No matter how hard they tried, they failed. So, Christ came and died for us, shed his blood that he could pull us across the line. And when you cross this line, you are now holy, you are now righteous, you are completely redeemed. And there is nothing you can do to improve upon that from God's perspective. From God's perspective, you're across the line. And no matter what your behavior is after that point, No matter how good you are or how bad you are, you always remain on this side of the line. Neither death nor life nor principalities nor powers nor things to come, and a whole bunch of other stuff that I can't remember right now, can separate you from the love of God. That is critical that we know that because we so much want to take responsibility for our own salvation and our own goodness and our own righteousness, and we constantly measure ourselves by ourselves on whether we're making it or not, and God's up there going, none of that matters. My son created it, so you made it. Now, I'm not saying that what your behavior here on earth doesn't have consequences. It does. But not in your salvation or in your standing in God. The reason that's critical to understand and I'll just share a little story about myself as I get ready to talk about words of knowledge. I was really young in the Lord when God started using me prophetically. And one of my very first prophecies was really big affecting people. I'm not going to go into what it was because I don't have time, but it was heavy for the person I gave it to. It was explicit and right on the money. And by the time I walked back out the door, my head was kind of wobbling, you know? Whoa. Am I special or what? I'm prophesying to this pastor stuff about his life and about the future. Am I not great? I am. I am special. But not because I prophesied, but because Jesus pulled me across the line. No gift makes you more special to God. No amount of your behavior makes you more special to God. And I hear this all the time because I have people come to me all the time wanting to be used in spiritual gifts and prophesying, and they're all like, they think it'll make them more special. It doesn't. God doesn't use you or love you because you do credible things. We've got to get that through our heads. That is not why he loves us. So you can't earn his love What also then helps you remain humble. Oh, you had this amazing word. I have another story, which I won't tell, where I prophesied in front of a whole group of people, 400 pastors. And I prophesied the first speaker's word who opened the conference up. Gosh, was I special. Again, my head lulled back and forth as I went out the door. The next morning, I got up and blew it completely. And the leader of the thing, Dick Benjamin, walks up to the front. He's a big man. Walks up to the front. He says, stop, stop. I really appreciate this young man's heart, but everything he just said is absolute heresy. Wow, did my head deflate fast. And stayed deflated for about a good six months. Because I thought thought incorrectly that being used by God made me special. Made me... A better person. It doesn't. So what is the motive for being used in the gifts? What is the motive for it? First Corinthians 14, 14 3 says that in the King James, you must the gifts are given, the prophecy specifically, are given for edification, exhortation, and comfort. Um to strengthen the people. In fact, in the NIV, it says they're made to, they're given to make them stronger, to give them hope, and to comfort them in their times of need. I like the NIV's approach to that. That's the reason you give you spiritual gifts, is to strengthen people, to give them hope, and to comfort them. The other thing I want to say in this preamble is, and and I I see this, Okay, I'm going to say something a little negative. I, I didn't want to, but I'm going to, because I believe this is a problem in the church today. The opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of agape love is not hate. The opposite of agape love is selfishness. Because agape love is selfless love, putting other people above yourself. Philippians 2. The opposite of agape love is selfishness. In the end, the hearts of many will grow cold. Because they hate each other? No, because they're just thinking about themselves. And I see this running so rampant in the church on all sides, where... I want my thing to be special. I want me to be special. I want my ideas. I, I want me, 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 me. I want it to be about me. And oh, I do too. I'll be honest with you. I like it when it's about me. I like me most of the time. And I like it when people give me compliments. I'm not. I'm just being honest. But in using the spiritual gifts, it needs to be about the other person, not about you. It needs to be about making them stronger, giving them hope, and bringing comfort into their lives. So 1 Corinthians 12, 1, there we go. Now we can start using my slides. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 11. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. That that piece of scripture right there is just worth spending a lot of time in, but I'm not going to spend any. Therefore, I want you to know that no one is speaking by the Spirit of God, says Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but all of them... In everyone, it is the same God at work. Verse seven. Now, each one of each one of the manifestations of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one is given the Spirit of wisdom, message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge, by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts by healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit. He distributes them, each one, just as he determines. So, it is not, I do not have the gift of prophecy I am used in the gift of prophecy, but I do not have the gift of prophecy. The Holy Spirit has the gift of prophecy. The Holy Spirit has the gift of knowledge. He gives them to me to use, bring comfort and hope to people. So it is not mine. Oh, Stan has the gift of prophecy. No, Stan is used in the gift of prophecy. I don't have the gift of prophecy because when the Holy Spirit's not talking to me, I'm not that wise of a guy. Just an average dude and have a lot of opinions about a lot of useless stuff. Thank you. But man, when the spirit comes, it's amazing. It it, it is heady stuff. Now, I am I personally mostly have been experienced in using prophecy, words of knowledge, and words of wisdom. But I think that's more by choice. It's what I got comfortable with when I first. But I have been used in tongues and interpretation in tongues. I've prayed for people and miracles have happened. I think every once in a while I operate in this gift of faith. That one I'm I'm a little unsure of. Um, Because the Holy Spirit gives the gifts as you need them to minister to other people. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He sees you. In fact, I personally think God is up there with a megaphone whenever we're approaching people that he wants to touch because he uses us to do it. He left us here to do it through the power of the Holy Spirit that he's going, yo, this is what they need right here. And I don't know how many times I'm not listening, but I think it's a lot more than when I am listening because he wants to touch everybody. And so he uses these gifts to do it. And we have kind of, as a church, separated them out into these miraculous barrel of whoa That if you reach it and pull it out, it has got to be profound. It has got to be deep, and it's got to be earth-shaking. That's malarkey, in my opinion. What is a word of knowledge? A word of knowledge is the supernatural revelation by the Holy Spirit to certain facts from the mind of God that you don't have. If you have those thoughts, don't use a word of knowledge. Just tell them what you think. This is my opinion. I do that all the time. Tell people what I think about things. But I'm not going to make God to blame for it, because it's my thought. But then there are times when I'm like, whoa, where did that come from? And now I got to, oh, wow, uh, I got to wrestle with myself to get up the courage to present it to a person. The existence, condition, or whereabout of some person or place or thing, what a person has done or is contemplating doing, the nature of thoughts or the condition of the heart, the location or occasion of some event, information from God to clarify and direct events. It is really important... Now, my personal practice now is for the last number of years has been I don't label anything from God. Because if it is from God, it's going to have the effect it's supposed to have anyway. It doesn't do any good. Oh, this is a prophecy from God. This is a word of knowledge from God. I don't I quit doing that. I just go up like I had a girl at a coffee shop and I saw her and her friend talking, and and God just told me stuff. So I walked up to her and I said, Hi. I was just sitting over there having a cup of coffee. And I feel this about what you're talking about. This guy you're talking about is using you and has no intentions of taking care of guarding your heart. He is nothing but a user and abuser and needed to dump him like a hot rock. That's just what I felt. So I turn and walk away, and the girl sitting across from her reaches over and punches her with her hand in the shoulder and says, see, that's what I was just telling you. This guy is scum. Which was nice to have a confirmation. Not always do I get confirmation. Next slide. Luke 19, 28 through 34. After Jesus said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem, And as he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why you are untying it, say the Lord needs it. Those who are, though, why are... If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner asked them, why are you untying the colt? And they replied, the Lord needs it. That's a word of knowledge. Jesus had words of knowledge all the time. It just don't get labeled like that. And we kind of smuff over them, buff over them, because it's Jesus. But the Holy Spirit told him, this colt's up there. He didn't pre set the colt there and then tell his disciples later to go get the colt. The Holy Spirit had set it aside for him. And he told them. And the reason I use this one, because it's not that profound, it's just finding a donkey tied up to a post. But that's how much God loves us. He is interested in telling you what are apparently insignificant small things. He wants to be involved in your life. And the way he is involved is through these gifts. For you and for others. Okay, so I this next one, Ananias and Sapphira, I'm telling because this is the one I get asked about more than any other. And I I think Corky told me this. There are some things that happen to Bibles that are just one-offs. This don't use this as a pattern for anything. I agree with that. I don't know if that was you who told me that, but I, I'm gonna give you credit for it anyway. And now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property with his wife. Full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the, <laughs> brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, "How, Ananias? How is it that Satan has filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and kept for yourself some of the money you received from the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold?" And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied to a human being, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized, all heard about happened. I've had people say, wouldn't this be wonderful this happened today? Well, I guess as long as it didn't happen to me. Because I've lied to God before. Which is like one of the dumbest things in the world to do. Because he knows everything. I have done it, and I didn't die. Hallelujah. So I'm glad it's a one-off. But some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, carried him out, and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter asked her, "Tell me, is this price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, "How could you conspire to test the Spirit of God the Lord? Listen. The feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they'll carry you out also. That moment, she fell down at his feet and died. When the young men came in, finding her dead, carried her out, buried her beside her husband, great fear sears the whole church and all who heard about these events. No kidding. I'm not even going to try to explain why this happened, because I don't know. I don't understand it, because it never operates that way ever again. And I know way too many people who lie to God. And don't die. And I'm glad of that. The reason I tell this is because this is not one to pattern. You're being used by God to talk to people. Where is the comfort, the edification, the hope? It isn't there. Now, were they words of knowledge? Yes, Peter had words of knowledge. You're lying. And Peter didn't kill them, nor did he ask for them to die. That's really important to see, too. Peter's heart was not for them to die. He just watched it happen, and then on the second time kind of assumed... Well, it's probably going to happen again. I, I'm putting thoughts in his mind, but I'm thinking to myself, he's thinking, wow, Ananias died when I said this to him. Is she going to plop? Yeah, I guess she is. Bummer. So, <laughs> not always. Oh, wait, let me go to this next one. Let's go to Judas and Jesus and Judas, Okay. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening... I want you to understand. We just read that. He loved them till the end. Remember, Judas is in this group of people. In the evening meal was in the progress. The devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Isaacariot, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that he poured water into the basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them on a towel that was wrapped around him. So he washed Judas' feet, knowing in advance what Judas was going to do. I find this a hard one to contemplate in my own mind. If I knew someone was going to turn me over to be killed, I'm not sure that I would want to wash their feet. After he had said this, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, Verily, truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. It's the word of knowledge. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to whom, which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him, Simon Peter motioned to his disciple and said, Ask him which one he means. He loves you best, John. Ask him. John tells us that, that Jesus loved him most. He's the only disciple to tell us that. The rest of them kind of left that out. I find that funny. Find that he is a very human fellow. So Peter says, hey, he loves you the most. Ask him what he means by that. Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, is the one to whom I would will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon, Isaac, As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered him. So Jesus told him, what you're about to do, do quickly. It blows me away that Judas, Jesus is telling him, I know what you're going to do. This is a word of knowledge. Judas is thinking he has sold him out in secret. But Jesus is just saying, I know what you're going to do. Now go do it. So I'm going to have Kelly Joe tell a couple of words of knowledge that she's had.
1: Um, so one time, Leslie and I were visiting a church um, when we were early 20s. And um, <clears throat> the pastor there, I had this vision of a dark basement with things covered up. And so, which is not really something that, you know, I felt it was secret sin, and so that wasn't something that I was like, hey, I've got this wonderful word for you. So I talked to Leslie, and she was feeling the same thing. So we took him and his wife and the assistant pastor privately, and I shared the vision, and then Leslie shared her part of that. And um, <clears throat> he did not receive it well. <laughs> he he was very, um, let's see, what a, he uh, strongly rebuked us. Um, And we were devastated because, I mean, we didn't really know him, so it's not like we had interaction with him. Um, And I would say for years after that, we didn't prophesy. And we never saw him. I've never seen him again since. Um, But in we have found out that that was absolutely right on. Um, The assistant pastor didn't tell us in the moment, but years later confirmed that that was actually a word of knowledge. So, um, but I believe God gave it to us because um, it gave him the chance to uncover it himself. And um, one thing, and I'm not sure if Leslie said it or I said it, but like God is giving you the chance to uncover it yourself or he's going to uncover it for you. Um, So it was a word of caution and encouragement that um, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Like the song, like the light has come. It doesn't matter what darkness we have. God is here for us to walk in freedom. Um, The other thing, which those of you who know me, I love getting gifts and I love giving gifts. Um, It is one of my top love languages. um, But this little um, thing here, it's like the thing that goes on your dishwasher. So there was this friend at work who recently um, came out of um, the religion that he had grown up in. And it was very devastating for him. It, he was shake. He believed it with his whole heart. And on our deployment in 18, um, he confided in me that um, it actually broke up his family. His wife was not willing to stay with him if he was not going to participate in it. And it he was heartbroken. Um, so it was his birthday party. And there are certain things, like those of you who know me, like, my memory is not the best. I don't remember everything I read. Like, it is hit or miss. I imagine my mind is like a wall of gum, and some things stick, and some things just pop right out. Um, so it's not anything of me, um, and I am a great gift giver, for those of you who've gotten gifts from me. Um, but part of me feels like one of the joys I get in giving gifts is um, sometimes, like, I, if I'm looking at you, I see, like, an image pop up that is something like, so sometimes I see it when I look at the person and like, oh, like a color or something that I believe is a word of knowledge from the Lord. And then other times I see things and then their name scrolls off like a marquee. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to grab that. So this gentleman invited me to his birthday party and I got him a Millennium Falcon um, bottle opener because he had just started drinking, and I'm like, oh, and he likes Star Wars. That was common knowledge. And I thought, oh, he is going to just love this Millennium Falcon, like, bottle opener. like, And he did, but I saw this on Amazon. Oh, yes, this is the thing that goes on your dishwasher if your things are dirty or clean. And I saw his name scroll by. So the Star Wars isn't like a one-off, but his reaction when he opened this gift, like, I thought he was going to weep. And I believe it's because God uses me in gifts to say, Hey, I see you. Like, there is no way I would have known that this would, this was like, would touch his soul. Like, there's no way. I mean, it's like a $3 gift. Like, so I believe that's one thing that, at least for me, like, I see things. And then it's because God wants to say, Hey, I see you. I know you. I want to encourage you. So.
0: Thank you, Kelly. So, uh, I had her share those because they're examples of people being used in words of knowledge. But also, I wanted I wanted you to see how um, one was pretty profound, pretty deep. And I remember seeing the uh, so it and it was a negative word. And they had three witnesses, had witnesses come. And that's what I would encourage you to do. If you have a word that is going to be difficult or hard, or to knowledge or prophecy or anything, get witnesses to come and witness it. Now, if they hadn't done that, we wouldn't have known. It was like 10 years later, I ran into the associate pastor and he, said, he was asking me about the girls because he remembered. And he said, oh, I just I, hey, I wonder to tell you that word they had. That was right on the money the guy didn't receive it but it was right on the money it was proven completely true but take witnesses protect people we don't ever want to embarrass anybody or or we don't that's not what it's for it was an opportunity but i also want you to see just like judas people don't have to respond i had a word for a guy at Symbian incorporated it's where they make the artificial hearts they made them. They don't do it anymore, but they used to. And we were working in the building, the old St. Mark's Hospital, and we were putting floor coverings in, and a guy whacked past us as we were having lunch, and we were talking about baptism in the Holy Spirit. He said, now, now, boys, two things you never do in the workplace, talk about politics or religion, and he walked off. I went back to work, and the Lord started showing me this guy's life. I mean, in detail, his problems with his wife, where he goes and walks in the mountains, the trouble with his kids, in detail. So I went and told him. He looked at me and said, yeah, so? Not the response I would expect from a complete stranger. Um, And so, but that doesn't matter. because It's not about me. It was about him. Now, I have no idea whether it did anything to him later. I have no idea. Um, But I asked him, is this accurate? He said, oh, absolutely. It's exactly what I'm doing. So I know I was accurate. He just wasn't impressed. I was, because it was really detailed. But he wasn't. Um, Okay, let's go to the next one there. Jesus and Peter. Oh, the other one is, the reason I wanted to share the two together is because, really, a Yoda card that says clean and dirty? God's going to speak to you about a Yoda card? Yes. Because we have no idea what it means to other people so don't ever discount god speaking to you about presenting something saying something to somebody don't don't ever discount that so here's one jesus and peter Simon Simon satan has asked to sift you sift all of you as wheat but i have prayed for you simon that your faith may not fail when you have turned back strengthen your brothers but he replied lord i am ready to go i don't need the rest of that Jesus tells him, I have word of knowledge that Satan has been asking the Father to deal with you. So he tells Peter this. And we don't know how long before it was, but clearly... He is, it, it, the way it's written, it, it implies that it's been a while and he's been praying for him over time. And the reason I use this is because I would say for myself personally, 90% of the things I hear from God never get said to anybody. I just pray. I pray for them over and over and over for as long as I feel the Lord wants me to pray. I have a journals that I write the stuff in, I go through them, and 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 I feel like, You'll see check marks if you have, I don't want you to look at my journals, stuff I don't want you to see in there, but um, I, so as I'm praying through them, I put check marks by them, the ones that I feel like have been dismissed from praying for. I have no idea what's happening. And there's hundreds of, them. I've got lots of journals and I do it all the time. But one of them, we were going to invite um, Graham Cook to come here to speak for us the first time. So Lori and I and Laura Sanger went to a conference that he was going to be at in Oregon, and it was really a lot of fun, and he ended up coming. But, and I told the the ladies, I said, I sit at a different table every meal because I want to meet new people, which is much to my wife's chagrin. But so we're sitting at a new table, and the guy that's host comes in walking with this guy, and as he's walking towards us, he waves at the other people were sitting with, so I know they're coming there. And I look at the man he's with, and clear as gel, God goes, That's titanium man. Ten years before, I had written in my journal a dream and vision that I had about a guy standing on a bridge overlooking a train filled with rolls of titanium filled in it. And so God says, The titanium man. And so he sits down and I kind of try to figure out a way to get that into the conversation. And I said, hey, you know what? I just have a word for you. Because this is a prophetic conference, so you can get away with it there. And the guy, I said, is that okay? He said, sure. I said, I, I told him the the vision and the dream. And the guy with him, the Schultz, just starts laughing. And I'm like, well, I didn't think. I mean, it was a good word. It was an encouraging word about him getting his life and following Christ and all that kind of stuff. But he goes, do you? He works at a titanium factory. That was 10 years God is planning me to meet this guy. Now, I might not have. I could have not sat at that table. It could have been all sorts of misses. But that's how much God is interested in each and every one of us and pre-planned stuff. Now, unfortunately, he doesn't bend your will. You don't have to do anything. Judas just went and sold him out and then died. We see that in other places where God has words for people and people give them words of knowledge and they ignore them. So they don't have to do it. You don't have to do it. When you feel the Lord saying, you know, you need to turn here. I was riding with Gary Beasley. He was an evangelist with Francis Fuso. He was here doing a conference with us and Steve Robinson and I are going to go with him. He's going to show us how to witness to people. So we're driving down Highland drive and Steve's driving his truck and we're all three sitting in the front bench seat. And he goes, hey, that house right there, stop. That house right there, you know who lives there? And we're both like, no. I mean, this is just somewhere that random about Highland Drive. He goes, let's go back there. So we go back there. He goes up to the door, knocks on the door. Lady comes to the door. Hi, my name's Gary Beasley. This is Steve Robinson, and Stan Dahl. And we're just driving by, and I really felt the Lord was speaking to me about your needs and starts to prophesy to her. And she she goes, honey, honey, come here. Her husband comes out. They invite us in. We spend 45 minutes drinking coffee and him giving them words. Now, he was obedient to that nudge that God felt. And the one reason why I like that one is these people didn't know Jesus. I personally believe, I'm not going to preach this as the absolute doctrinal theory, but as a, as my personal belief is that the gifts are given for there, not so much here. Words of knowledge, prophecy, tongues, miracles, go out there and do them. Go out there and do them. You're already across the line. Now, I know we have problems, and I've had lots of words over the years, and I'm glad that I did. I'm thankful for them. But imagine if every Christian in the world is being used in the nine gifts every day somewhere out there, and they're walking around their life, looking at people saying, huh, because this is what I do when I meet people at restaurants and stuff, and I go places. I don't do it so much when I have, a, like, my family, because they're embarrassed by me. and uh, I, I, But usually when I'm alone or I'm meeting someone, I look around and I think, is there anybody here you want me to talk to? Oftentimes, No. They're not. Or I don't hear it anyway. Maybe there is, and I just don't hear it. I don't know. But I may I want to make myself available to it. And that's what we need to do. We're we're yesterday I'm driving for Uber, and I the guy I'm driving wants me to stop at a 7 Eleven so he can buy some smokes. And this stand up. This young lady is there buying stuff. And we talk for a little bit, and she comes out. And as the guy's getting back in my car, he's handicapped, got no legs below the knees. And she goes, can I pray for you? And she prayed for him. Now, the the guy was like, huh, what do you think? I I don't know. And that's all he said. So I don't know how much of an effect it had on him, but she was open to do it. And that's what I really want to encourage all of us to be, open to listen to God and hear God and just take the steps. Now, I'll tell you something. I think in all the years that I've done this, which has been 30 or more, I've only had one person tell me no. When I go up into a restaurant, complete stranger, hi, I was just sitting over there and I just kind of felt a strong emotion or whatever, whatever I feel like Lord's telling me. Can I share it with you? Everybody says yes, except for one. And I'm talking about hundreds and hundreds of times. People want to have hope. They want comfort. They want those things. <coughs> you all know how it is. Your mama is going to tell you, you're a wonderful person. You're great. We love you. You're beautiful. You're, you hear it all the time. or Almost all of us do. But when this complete stranger says it, it's like, whoa. Huh man, do I feel good? And you do. And and as their father, who's been telling them that for years, you think, well, I say that all the time. But it's because it's miraculous. It comes from the heart of God, from a complete stranger. That's really important. (laughs) You want a hard one? Ananias and Saul. I'm not going to read it, because of the time, Saul is killing people. Just got a letter from the Sanhedrin to hunt people down. And he's going into this town, and he runs into Jesus on the road, knocks him on his can, blinds him. And then his people with him take him into town. And then God is speaking to Anani- Ananias, who's different Ananias than the original one that we use today. And Ananias, he's like, Ananias, I want you to go talk to this Saul guy. What? No. He's killing people. Are you out of your mind? No, he's blind. I told him you were coming, and when you get there, he'll receive from you. So Ananias shows up, prays for the guy, the scales fall from his eyes, he can see, transforms the Greek world. Ananias transforms the Greek world because he obeyed God and went and, through God, healed Paul's, Saul, Paul then's eyes. Paul had a conversion experience accepting Christ and then was obedient to God. Just because this guy was like, I'm sure he was terrified. You know, you'd think that God would give you courage when he also gives you something to do. Not always. Sometimes he does. Another one is when Paul is traveling around the Greek world and he wants to go one place and God, the Holy Spirit says, no, you're not going there. I want you to go to Macedonia. He sees a vision of a guy standing over there. They go to Macedonia. And it's when they meet Lydia who transforms Macedonia because he was obedient to it. He didn't go where he didn't want to go, wasn't supposed to go, and he went where he was supposed to go. And there was a transforming encounter there because of it. So now practical stuff. A word of knowledge of God loves you. Is that a word of knowledge? I mean, for all of us know that God loves everybody. So when you tell somebody, I have a word of knowledge, God loves you. Really? Sometimes. Now, you can say that all the time without a word of knowledge. You can tell anybody, anywhere, God loves them. But then there are those times when the person is like, God can't love me. I am too evil, I am too bad, I have done too much, I have used his name in vain, I have murdered people, I have blah, 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 blah and man, do they need to hear God loves them. That's a word of knowledge. So th- these are problematical ones. I, I just mentioned the other one. You, I don't believe I'm good enough to be part of God. If I came to church, I would burst into flames. Malarkey. I've been a bad person. Well, I can guarantee you that's not true, because I was a bad person. The other one is people not believing God wants to talk to them. Now, I'm going to say this emphatically, because it's what I believe. So you have to take it with that. It's, this is Stan Dahl's personal belief. I believe God wants to talk to every single human being on the planet, and especially his faithful. Those people he has redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. God And I believe God is talking to all of you, to all of us. The question isn't whether God's talking to you. I, I believe this. Now, you can dispute it with me, and I've had many biblical people dispute it with me. But I personally believe God's, because that's the reason he saved you. That's the reason, because if all it was was to get you to heaven, wouldn't he just take you? But why do we got to hang around here if the whole goal is just to get to heaven? There's got to be more to it than that. And that more to it is like 7 billion people around the planet who need to hear from God that he loves them. And he wants, they need to hear it from us. And so God wants to speak to you and he wants to use you in these gifts. And the only, I personally believe, the only reason he doesn't is because we're not listening. Or we're afraid and we're not listening. Or we don't think we're worthy and we're not listening. And as I said in my preamble, that's malarkey. You are worthy and God wants to use you. And how that happens? Because I can tell you something right now. I have been used thousands of prophecies over the years. I don't know how, I don't keep track, but I'm sure thousands of words of knowledge. And I am not special. I'm as big a schmo as the rest of you. There's nothing special inside of me other than I've been redeemed by the God. And fortunately, I had a, the guy that led me back to the Lord, mistakenly on his perspective, told me, i like, how do I know though? He said, well, God will talk to you. He'll just talk to you. So I started praying on my way home from work every day. And then God started talking to me. Started telling me stuff. I believed it was true. Because this guy who led me back to the Lord told me this is the way God works. Well, about six months later, I was telling him about all these things God has been doing. And he goes, what? You think God talks to you? I'm like, yeah. No, he doesn't. I'm like, well, what do you mean? You're the one that told me. He goes, I didn't mean talk to you. I meant like signs and, you know, something, things happen or someone else saying a word to you. I wasn't talking that." God himself talks to you. Too bad. And I believe that. And I know that I'm not special, so I know that he wants to do that in all of you. I do believe there's people here, so I'm going to use a couple words of knowledge because this is what God showed me. I wasn't going to do this to begin with, but I got to be obedient. I believe there's people here, and I'm not going to point anybody out. They're having a hard time buying all this this whole Christianity thing, God loves me, partially because you don't think you're good enough, partially because faith is too hard to get your head around. You mean I have to believe in something I can't see, touch, smell? Yes. Yes. And God wants you to know that, and God wants you to know that he knows that. He knows that about you as an individual, that that's what you're thinking, and he wants to encourage you. He loves you. See, there I just did it. The other one is, and and I said this earlier, but I believe this is for an individual here, you have a clean slate. The only reason this stuff keeps ending up on your plate of what you did in the past is because you keep putting it up there. God came in with the blood of Christ and went, Fush. that's all gone. Forgotten as far as the East is from the West. We're no longer dealing with this. Now, you may have to deal with some of the residual of it, as we've learned in many of the teachings, but the guilt of it is gone. The shame is gone. It's wiped away. So if you're that person that's thinking to himself, oh no, look at me. uh, 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 Look how bad I've been. Look, uh," whatever it is. That again is malarkey. It's not true. You've accepted Christ and he has wiped it away clean. He wants to start all over with you. Brand new today. So quit putting that stuff back up on the plate. Leave it off. Amen. Amen. Can you put that last one up there? Now, one of the things I love about God is he's so practical. I didn't share this this one, but my partner and I had gotten the embassy suites job, 13 floors of of a whole hotel to do all the floor coverings in. And, oh no, it's the last one. And I had a dream, word of knowledge dream, that we didn't get paid for the job. So I shared it with my partner. He goes, what are we going to do? I said, well, I think what we ought to do, we talked about it, and we decided what we're going to do is we're going to go down and tell them we want to get paid after every floor. So we went and told superintendent that, and he goes, no, we don't do that. I said, well, you will in this case, or we're walking. You can't do that. I said, watch me. They paid us after every floor was done. Six months later, we ran into one of the other subs that was there, and he goes, hey. She goes, hey, did you hear we're having a class action suit against that company for the embassy suites? None of us got paid. So we're suing them. You should join. I said, we got paid. He's, she's like, what? How did you get paid? None of us got paid. Well, I went and told them they had to pay me after every floor. Well, why would you do that? So I told her. God showed me in a dream. Oh, wow, I wish God would have showed me in a dream because we never got paid. In fact, the class action suit was dismissed and they never got their money. Which is just a really natural thing. Although for us, it was tens of thousands of dollars. That's how important God cares about you as an individual. He'll even talk to you about stuff that has nothing to do with spiritual stuff. Amen? So now we're going to talk about non-spiritual stuff. Because I'm done. But we've got things to do. Can you put that last slide up there? Global Day of Prayer is tonight. There's going to be over 300 people here. There are only 156 chairs set up here. There are 162 back there in piles back there. What I would like is if you can, I would like people to help put five stacks of seven chairs behind each one of these rows. And then if you can, help set them out so we can set up for 300 people coming. No word of knowledge here, just a plea for help. (laughs) Otherwise, I got to do it by myself. Also, for those of you that don't want to stack chairs, you're like, I don't want to stack chairs. There are 20 tables behind that curtain over there that need to all be moved over behind this curtain over here. So avail yourself. And the tables are plastic. So if you think I'm not strong enough, yeah, you are. Just grab a buddy and move a couple tables. They're all plastic. So they're easy. Amen? I will. I wasn't sure how to do that. But I wanted to make sure I got this in there because we do need help. So I'm just going to pray that God would use all of us profusely in the gifts of the Spirit and words of knowledge. Father, I pray right now that you just would pour out your spirit upon us as you do, speak speak to us, help each of us here to get words of knowledge, to bring comfort and and hope, and to lift people up. Lord, speak to each one of us, God. Show us in places that it's most unlikely. Let, let these words and knowledge even be miracles for us to see you use us like that. We just thank you for this. I pray blessings upon everybody here in Jesus' name. Amen.